right. Thanks for coming, you guys. Um, tonight's sermon is on hearing the voice of God. Um, I don't know how you guys do sermons or how you do guys do how you do it, Bob. But I try to think about what the Lord's been um, talking to me about recently. I, if I've been reading a book or listened to a podcast or maybe seen something that's been really interesting, like a preacher on TV, and it really resonates with me, then I kind of go deeper with that. And as I was preparing for this message, I was getting nothing, just nothing. And that's the worst when you have to post it on Facebook and tell people what you're going to say, right? So I'm like, well, Lord, what do you want me to talk about? Um, And I just wasn't getting anything. And then I I did get the um, title, Hearing the Voice of God. And so I posted that on Facebook. But I may pull a Torrance and go totally off topic and not even talk about that. I'm not really sure. Um, I know. Do you like that, Janet? Um, But what I do want to talk about is what the Lord's... (laughs) Again, this is probably going to be a sermon all about me because it almost always is. I'm really, really sorry. Um, Most messages I give are, are something that God's been talking to me about or dealing with me about because that's the best kind of message I can give. Right, Bob? Thank you. And so um, what he's been talking to me about is um, DNA and who I was created to be. And so I want to talk to you about that tonight. And that's kind of him talking to me. So you're going to hear the voice of God, what he's been saying to me. That's how I'm tying it into into the message, into the title. Is that okay? Um. You know, one of the ways that I, I hear God is not an uh, audible voice, but usually just an impression in my heart or in my spirit of something that he's just putting on, on my heart. And I just kind of begin to ask him, I said, Lord, what are you talking to me about? What do you want me to hear from you? What's the heart message that you have for me right now in this season? And he brought me to this group that Chris and I lead on Tuesday nights. It's called... Um, Keep Your Love On, Keep Your Love On by Danny Silk. The, the, the title's not important. What's important is this group is very life-giving to me. And I was saying, Lord, why is this group so life-giving to me? Because it's a, it's a group about, really, it started out as a marriage group, and it's kind of morphed more into a, a relationship group, how to do relationships. And it, it really has to do with how do we do relationships well, or at least better than what we have been doing. And in the process of, that group, we've been doing it, I guess, maybe two years now, Chris, do you know? Maybe two years. What has happened is we've had this group of people kind of come in and out, but we've created an environment where people can come and really just be themselves and be honest with what's going on in their lives and say, you know, this is how I was raised and this is how I'm screwed up and I need help in this area and oh, whatever. And we've, we've been able to create an environment mostly where you can, we can be safe and, and, um, share ourselves. And and if we don't feel safe, we can go back to that person and say, hey, and at least have an honest conversation with each other. And it's, it's something that's part of my DNA because I have a desire to create an environment that, um, that creates connectedness between people at a healthy level, not, um, an artificial, like church lady level. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes we talk about you know, Chris and I talk about going to level five, and sometimes he's like, I just can't do level five again. Level five is the deep, deep talking when you're talking about your, your hurts and your past and everything that's going on. And, and the thing is, we can't always talk 
level five, but we need to have a place where we can go to level five if we need to. Where level five is safe, where we can be heard, where we're not judged, where um, we can say, man, this is what, where my heart is hurting or this is what's going on with me. I need you to pray for me. And the other person doesn't judge you for what you're feeling, right? And so my DNA is to do that kind of thing. And God's like, that's what I want you to talk about. I want you to talk about DNA. I want you to talk about what we were all created to do. Because, you know, what I've been created to do is different than what you've been created to do, right? But I think it's important that we um, admit to ourselves that it's not just one person who's been created for destiny. Every single one of us has been. And that's what I want to talk about tonight a little bit. Um, And so point one is we all of us have a sweet spot in life. And that sweet spot, what we enjoy doing the most, what brings us life, is the door to our destiny. But what actually opens that door, what the hinge of that door, is obedience. And I, want, I was watching a movie recently. Um, you guys know who Mr. Rogers is? All of you were raised on him. Aaron, do you really know who he is? Okay, good. I, I, I forget how old I am sometimes, and so I don't know if people know what I know. But I was watching that movie called Will You Be My Neighbor? Have any of you seen that movie? Oh, of course you've seen it, Aaron. Yeah, it is really good, isn't it? Have you seen it too? Yeah. So I was watching that, and I, I was like, oh, my gosh, this man's incredible. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk a little bit about him tonight. He was born in 1928, believe it or not. Um, and during his senior year in high school, his family got a television. Now, th- those of you who know Mr. Rogers, you know that he's pretty mild-mannered. He's not this dynamic, charismatic, at least I don't think so, person who, who um, is this, you know, big, bigger-than-life kind of personality. But when he saw the television, he had a, um, a thought or an impact that television was going to change the world, and he wanted to be part of it. He wanted to change the world for good via television, which seems unusual for his kind of personality, I've got to be honest with you, right? And so he went away to college, and um, after college, he got a job at a TV station. He did puppeteering, and he did, like, the children's corner, something like that. And then he felt the call of God in his life, and he went to seminary, and he became an ordained Presbyterian minister. So after he was ordained, the um, Presbyterian denomination, the church, said, listen, we want you to minister to children via television. Like, we want you to go back into the television and do what you're doing and minister to children that way. And so he went to Canada and started uh, a show like uh, Roger's Neighborhood or something like that for a couple years. And then two or three years later, he came back to the States, went to Pittsburgh, and he started Mr. Roger's Neighborhood. And we all know that, right? That show ran for 33 years. 33 years. In Pittsburgh, right? But really, all over, all of the PBS channels carried him. In 1969, uh, PBS, Public, Public Broadcasting Service, I don't even know if we have that anymore. Do we have that anymore? Okay, I guess we do. I watch so much Netflix, I don't even know what's what. Um, it, it's, it was always funded by the government, right? It wasn't really funded by um, commercials and stuff like regular networks were. And so they were thinking of cutting the funding for PBS because they're just doing a bunch of cut and slash. And I'm going to show you a video here. The, um, the PBS committee or whoever went before this big Senate 
committee and they, they had to testify as to why they needed to keep their funding. And the guy who was making the decision was this grumpy old man who was like, I got nothing for you. You remember this, right? Yeah. And he had said, if one more person reads their testimony or their, their whatever, he goes, I'm going to slip my wrist. I can't take it anymore. And so they put Mr. Rogers up as their spokesperson to convince this grouchy old man that he should give them the money. Now, what they needed was $20 million to keep their um, programs going, which I read online translates to $140 million today. So Mr. Rogers was the pitch man for PBS in 1969. Can you show our video? I'm the host, yes. And I do all the puppets, and I write all the music, and I write all the scripts. Well, I'm supposed to be a pretty tough guy, and this is the first time I've had goosebumps for the last two days. <laughs> well, I'm grateful, not only for your goosebumps, but for your interest in, in our kind of communication. Could I tell you the words of one of the songs which I feel is very important? Yes. This has to do with that good feeling of control, which I feel that the children need to know is there. And it starts out, what do you do with the mad that you feel? And that first line came straight from a child. I work with children do doing puppets in, in very personal communication with small groups. What do you do with the mad that you feel? When you feel so mad, you could bite. When the whole wide world seems oh so wrong and nothing you do seems very right, what do you do? Do you punch a bag? Do you pound some clay or some dough? Do you round up friends for a game of tag or see how fast you go? It's great to be able to stop when you've planned a thing that's wrong and be able to do something else instead and think this song. I can stop when I want to, can stop when I wish, can stop, 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 any time. And what a good feeling to feel like this and know that the feeling is really mine. Know that there's something deep inside that helps us become what we can. For a girl can be someday a lady and a boy can be someday a man. I think it's wonderful. I think it's wonderful. <clears throat> Looks like you just earned the $20 million. <laughs> That's after two days of testimony. That speech is what one that got them $20 million. That speech alone. And my point to you is, I don't look at Mr. Rogers, and I don't see him as a great, like I said, charismatic speaker, or a politician, or somebody who's got great um, communication skills. I don't see that at all in him. But what I do see is a man who had a passion in his heart, and he went after that passion. He really felt strongly that television was going to be a way that we could help, um, he could minister to the inner lives of children. And so he dedicated his, lives, his life to doing that. Do you know that when he started doing Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, his budget was $30. $30. And you heard him, he did the puppeteering. Are you laughing, $30? Right, $30. He does the puppeteering, he does the voices, he, did, he made all the music, he produced, he did the writing, he did everything. He felt so strongly about what he was called to do that he did it no matter what.
And, and again, I don't look at him as the kind of personality who, you know, like you'd, who would win wars, right? Yet he was winning a war. It was just the one we don't know about. It was one that God had called him to, right? And he was a warrior in that war. And I think sometimes we look at ourselves that way. I think sometimes we're like, well, who am I to change the world? Who am I to make any difference in this world? I don't have the talent of that person. I don't have the gifting of this person. I don't have money. I don't have looks. I don't have skill. I don't have whatever. And I look at a man like Mr. Rogers. I'm like, man, I don't think you need that. I don't think you need that. I think what you need is obedience. I think what you need is obedience. And, and she's telling me love back here. Okay. Yes, they felt loved. And you could see the heart of God in what he did, right? I believe we all have a particular mission, DNA, or destiny in life, if that's what you want to call it. God created us to impact this world in a completely unique way. And Mr. Rogers is an example of someone who did that. And he did it in a, in a secular medium, to be honest with you. It wasn't that TV at that time, especially PBS, was this godly area to work. He went in and infiltrated the enemy territory, right? I see him as a hero of the faith, frankly. I'm going to read to you from part of his biography. During its long run, Mr. Rogers' neighborhood attracted well-known guests and earned Rogers several awards for the program's excellence. The honors included four daytime em Emmys, a 1997 Lifetime Achievement Award from the National Academy of Television Arts and Sciences, and in 2002, the Presidential Medal of Freedom. In 1999, he was inducted to the Television Hall of Fame. Rogers' commitment to children, however, wasn't limited to the TV set. In 1968, he served as chairman of the White House Forum on Child Development and the Mass Media and was often consulted as an expert or witness on those issues. You know, I don't think that um, Mr. Rogers was born and went to high school and said, man, I'm going to change the world. I'm going to be somebody that is going to be, have the Presidential Medal of Honor. And people are going to, he, he was a household name. Do you remember back in the day when all the skits were making fun of him and stuff like that? He was a household name. Do you think he was born thinking, I'm going to impact the world like that? I don't think so. But what I think he did is what he was called to do. And he obeyed. And I believe that's what we're called to do. I think that um, part of hearing the voice of God is being brave enough to, to obey it. I think that's part of it. Um, it's, you know, if you haven't listened to Pastor Bob's sermon on um, spiritual warfare, that's one thing that you need to do or listen to it again because it's so easy for us to confuse um, the voice of ourselves with the voice of the enemy. And we get derailed from what God wants us to do. I think the other side of Bob's message is not only how do we not pay attention to what the enemy is saying, but how do we obey the voice of God? How do we hear and obey the voice of God, right? So that brings me to my part of this sermon, what I wanted to talk about. So I'm like, okay, Lord, how does that apply to me? And so he says, Paul, you have a sweet spot too. You have a sweet spot, and your sweet spot is valuable. And I want you to value it like I do. And you know, that's hard sometimes, right? It's hard to look at yourself and say, I got something the world needs because that feels so proud, right? It feels very vain and, and whatever that is. 
But I think that for every single one of us. I think we all have something that the world needs. And so I'm going to go out on a limb and say I've got something that the world needs. And I'm, I'm going to say I have a DNA that's worth preserving and is worth promoting, and I'm going to tell you about it. And then later on, you can tell me about your DNA that's worth preserving and promoting, okay? Um, and here's my Bible verse for this. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So this brings me, what's my sweet spot? I, you guys know this. My sweet spot is relationships. You know, I like what Gary Smalley said. He said, life is about relationship. The rest is just details. And I really, really believe that. I think that everything that we are created for revolves around one type of relationship or another. First, our relationship with God, and secondly, our relationship with each other. And the more we get that right, and the more we pursue that in a healthy and a godly way, the more fulfilled we're going to be in this life. You know, Danny Silk says you're either moving towards connection or you're moving away from connection. So my sweet spot is to create a place to say, hey, how are you moving towards connection with God in a healthy way? And how are you moving towards connection with the people that are important in your life in a healthy way? Because let's face it, we've all been raised in really kooky ways. We've all, no, right? We've all, I'm a parent. I know I messed my kids up. We've all been raised in a fallen world, and we've learned bad habits, and we've been hurt, and we um, respond and react out of those hurts. My DNA is to say, hey, how do we not do that anymore? Let's get some healing in here, and let's connect with each other in a way that reflects God. You know, you'll see, you know, I was talking to Jenny. This is the first time she's been here, and so is the booze. Um, this is a fantastic sanctuary. I love this. I love that it's casual. I love that it's inclusive and cozy because that says to me, you're all invited. You're all part of the family. My heart is that we're all part of the family. There's room for everybody at the table. We're saving a seat for you. That's my heart. You know, um, I don't know how you were raised in a religious sort of sense, but I was raised in what we would call high church. High church is like a Presbyterian church or a congregational church. Anybody raised in a church like that? Now, I'm not going to criticize that. That's very meaningful for some people. For me, that does not create connectedness with me or anybody else because that's not my personality, okay? Um, my personality, I'm kind of like um, I'm the real deal kind of person. I don't go for an, a lot of highfalutin stuff. That's just not me. I would rather go camping and um, just movies and, you know, casual picnics and stuff like that than, than put on airs and be highfalutin. Because to me, all that stuff is superficial. And so that kind of church did not draw me to the Lord. That kind of church did not bring connection to me with the Lord and anybody else. What that did for me was make me put a mask on my face and pretend I was somebody else. Okay? Now, I just want you to know, I'm not going to say whether those churches are good or bad. That's for you guys to decide what kind of people you are. I think all different churches have all different flavors and DNAs. Like, you know, a lot of people don't like Joel Olstein down in Houston. I think he's just fine. You know what? He, he's 
wants people to know that God loves them and that they have a destiny in him. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I really don't. That's his DNA. And you know what I like about him? He owns his DNA. He owns his DNA. You know what I like about Bethel? Bill Johnson, he's like, we're going to bring heaven to earth. We're going to practice revival here. I love that because you know what? He's like, you guys can criticize me and call me crazy or whatever you want to call me. I'm going to still do it. He owns his DNA. He owns it. And I think there's a place for people's DNA. You don't have to agree with it, but you can appreciate it and say they're owning their DNA. They're, uh, Mr. Rogers, I wouldn't do it his way, but he owned what he was called to do. And he did it in such a way that he impacted the whole country. That's what I want to do. I want to be a person who owns my DNA. I don't want to be swayed off of my DNA because somebody else thinks they, it should be different or should be done a different way. And the way I'm going to do it here is going to flow out of my DNA. Fair warning, okay? I just want to give you a couple little glimpses of that. You probably already know this is probably no news to you, but I had to verbalize it, okay? So number one, I want to promote connecting with God and others in a safe and nurturing environment. This means we pursue God, recognizing that connection to him is primary. Connecting to God is primary in our life. We cannot connect to other people well unless we connect to the Lord because we're too messed up, <laughs> and we need, him, we need him to tell us how to connect with others. We do this through worship, study, like our study groups, prayer. We also per pursue connection to others, realizing that we were created to be in community. You know, the other thing I like about this kind of a setting, it doesn't really allow us to, to be isolated. See, isolation is the, um, is the what? Playground, thank you, playground of the devil. Isolation, you know, here's what it is, you guys. You know that visual of a, um, a herd running and the lions are going after the weak and the, the lame? That's what happens in isolation. When you're in isolation, you're picked off by the enemy. You're not with the safety of the herd. I won't call us a herd, but you know what I'm saying, right? Flock. We will accept each other recognizing that we are all made in the image of God. This is important, you guys, because some of us are in sin. Some of us are broken. Some of us are weird. We're all made in the image of God. And we're going to accept each other right where we're at because we don't have the right to point the finger because we've all been there, right? We've all been weird. We've all been broken. And we've all been in sin. I guarantee it. So there's not one of us who gets to say, yeah, you're not part of my team because you're too weird, broken, or sinful. That's not going to happen. We support each other without judgment or condemnation. Now, caveat, that doesn't mean we, we do turn a blind eye to things, but what it does mean is we're not going to act as the Holy Spirit in other people's lives because that's not our job. We are not called to be the Holy Spirit. We're called to be a fellow brother or sister. We speak the truth in love. We follow the Holy Spirit's prompting, but we're not going to bring condemnation or judgment because neither of those things are from the Lord. We're going to pursue healing for ourselves first. So what that means is we're going to say, wow, hmm, I'm weird, broken, and sinful. 
inside here, maybe I need to get healed before I say you're broken, weird, and sinful, and you need to be healed. We're going to pursue our own healing. We're going to say, listen, I got stuff of myself to clean up before I point it out in other people. And we're going to seek godly relationship over religion. What does that mean? Religion is the thing that is not connected to relationship. It's connected to rules. It's connected to tradition. Sometimes it's connected to the intellect, but it doesn't make room for relationship. All right? Now, I'm not opposed to doctrine. I went to Denver Seminary. I love talking about that stuff just like everybody else, okay? But it's not going to be primary over relationship for me. Relationship is going to come first for me. Does that make sense to you guys? Can you get on board with that? You know, that's one of the reasons I like having, um, you know, I am about food. That's one of the reasons I like having um, a meal afterwards. Because that's where we're going to connect one-on-one with each other. That's where we're going to find out that um, what's-his-face likes guns. What was his name the other, last night? Ryan. Yeah, he's all about the guns. Or that's where I'm going to talk to Aaron about the newest movie is when I'm eating food, you know, next to him at a table. That's where we really get to stand side-by-side with each other. Or that's where I'm going to find out where someone needs prayer. And I need to pray with them. And I need to lift them up or do whatever. That's why, to me, having a meal is part of my DNA. I love doing that afterwards. It extends this time into a personal relationship time. And then the third thing is we promote small groups. Small groups is where, you know, we go one-on-one with stuff that we're, this is where our doctrine is really, really um, worked out, right? We're working out our doctrine. Sue and I, we had, um, we talked about the, the woman at the well. And, I, and so the lady was Kelly Minter was preaching about the woman at the well. <laughs> and we were, I was there, and I said to um, Sue, I go, yeah, I don't agree with that at all. Let me tell you why. And so she and I had this, uh, you know, biblical discussion about the Samaritan woman at the well. But that's an appropriate place to have it, is when you're doing a Bible study. And that's why I believe in studies. That's where we're going to go deeper in the Lord. That's where I went deeper in the Lord, is when I did the small group Bible studies. And that's going to be part of the DNA. And we're doing it. And then the other thing is, you guys, we've got to do fun stuff. We've got to see movies. We've got to go to Rockies games. We've got to go to 4th of July. We've got to have our parties. We've got to live life. We have to have fun with each other. We have to have fun with each other. That's part of my DNA. Some churches don't like that. Some groups are like whatever. Part of my DNA is we're going to have fun with each other because we were created to, to enjoy God's creation. So I'm going to wrap it up for there, but what I'm going to challenge for you guys is I, I would ask you, what has God put in your heart that's a sweet spot for you that you're called to do to impact the world, be it small or big or whatever you think about it? And also, what is the thing that God has put in your heart that you have resisted, that you have not obeyed, that you've felt? you couldn't do or you're not called to do or somehow you've said, well, that's above or beyond me. Because I want you to know (laughs) the people that said yes to God are the people that impacted the world. You look at Abraham, I want you to leave your country. 
I want you to leave your family. Oh, I'm going to give you a son, but, I don't, but you're not going to know when. Oh, that son you just got, now I want you to sacrifice him. And every single time Abraham said yes to God. He's the father of many nations. Righteousness. He's called a righteous man by the Lord because of his obedience. He not only heard the Lord, he obeyed the Lord. So my challenge to you is what is God saying to you? Because I'm telling you right now, he's saying something to every single one of you. If he can call Mr. Rogers a mild-mannered, meek man who can change this country for the better, he can call every single one of you. And he has called every single one of you. So I'm going to expect you to start thinking about it and praying about it and saying yes to the Lord. Okay? Let's pray. God, I thank you for this group of people, Father God. I pray, Lord, that you would do great and mighty things in their midst, Father God. That you would draw them to yourself. They would become more and more connected with you. And out of that connectedness, they'd flow out to the people around them. That their relationships would go to the next level. That their wholeness and their health in their body, soul, and spirit would go to the next level, Lord. that your shadow would fall on all of us, God, and you'd show us who you really are and how much you love us, how much you desire us, how much you want us to communicate and be in a family, Lord. Just bind us together, God. Let's have a great meal. Thank you to Joe and Stephanie for cooking. We love them so much, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.